Hello, my praying people. In this week's episode, I intended to get together with my friend Diane Nix. Diane Nix is the founder of Contagious Joy for Him, which is a really great ministry to pastors' wives. Diane is an author. She is a podcaster. She leads retreats for pastors' wives all over the United States. She's the wife of a seminary president, uh, uh, seminary professor. At her husband serves at New Orleans Baptist Seminary. And um, to put a long story short, Diane and I have been friends for a good long time. Our work with Lifeway Christian Resources that goes way back at least 10 years, maybe more, is what put us together. And over the years, we've become fast friends. Diane hosts some of her uh, pastor's wives retreats at my place in the North Carolina mountains, and we've done several of those together. So anyway, all that to say, Diane and I are friends. We are prayer partners. We are colleagues in the ministry. And I had asked Diane if she would let me, this is what you can do when you're friends, if she would let me be on her podcast, because she has a great big audience, and we could talk about the prayer clinic ministry, because you guys who listen to my podcast know how passionate I am about mobilizing our churches to pray and how easy it is to do that with the prayer clinic um, ministry. So we were scheduled, we were set up to have that meeting, but on that day that we met, which was last week on Thursday, we both, our hearts were just so wrapped around um, what had gone on during the week. The and, and primarily because we're friends within our denominational work, primarily regarding the report that came out Uh, regarding the um, independent outside entity that the Southern Baptist invited to come in and do a thorough um, reporting of how the Southern Baptist Convention manages um, sexual abuse within the convention itself. And the results of this report came out last week, and our hearts were just so heavy over um, both the report, but then also all of the spinoff reports that have been being had, the articles, the comments, the, you know, just the other things, because we have so many avenues to put um, our, our thoughts and our concerns and our research out there. And so instead of us spending our podcast time talking about the prayer clinic, we decided to just debrief with each other and to do it on our platforms. So this week, Diane is releasing on her Coffee Chats podcast um, the exact same recording that I am releasing right here on my Prayer Clinic platform. And what you're about to hear is just two friends, two women who've been involved in Southern Baptist work for many, many years, uh, reflecting commenting and and debriefing ourselves on that report that came out. I hope that your heart is encouraged. I hope that you you may learn something. And um, I hope that when you listen to this, you will allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart to um, just let you know what changes He wants to make in your life, maybe in the life of your church and in the areas of influence that you have. So enjoy this conversation between my friend Diane and me.
Well, hello, this is Diane Nix and Leanne McCoy. Diane Nix with Coffee Chats and Leanne with prayerclinic.com, mm-hmm. her podcast there. And Leanne and I have um, had scheduled a podcast where we were going to talk about prayer clinic the whole time and get you started on prayer and prayer clinic, and just what that would look like. We still want you to do that. We want you to be a part of that. But you're going to hear this podcast today. We're going to discuss with you really what has been dropped in our lap this week as we've looked in our denomination at a report that's come out on um, some abusers and uh, what's been done with that and just how we wrestle through all of that. And Leanna and I thought it'd be a good idea for us as ministry wives speaking to mainly ministry wives. Uh, Leanne and I both have been in ministry for a long time and uh, we won't add up the number of how many years that, <laughs> that it's close to a hundred, but we'll just yeah, say that. To say. <laughs> <laughs> it's close of a, of, it of sounds pretty and, remarkable though. Maybe we will add it up. <laughs> maybe we will. How many years have you been, you and Tom been married? Uh, 30, let's say 35, I think. Okay. Yeah. So Preston and I've been married 38. I was going to say 73 years of exp- combined experience of living yeah. on the front line as a woman mm-hmm. in ministry and a leader in, of women's ministry and leader of women uh, and ministry wives. We have a combined experience and our voices together, we hope to just shed some light and really just help you and I both to process a little bit of our emotions about what this report means to us as a, as our denomination and what we might need to do in our response as we deal with sexual abuse and women in ministry. We hope you'll listen and you'll be able to listen to both of us on each one of our platforms. So listen in as we talk about abuse. Hey, Lynn. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, it's important to let our listeners know that we didn't, uh, and you did, we didn't map out and prepare for this. And so it truly is just our kind of debriefing because we're good friends. We respect each other and we are out there serving the women in our, um, in our, our churches. And both of our ministries are um, go far beyond the Southern Baptist Convention. But uh, Diane, one of the things that I've said this week is I think I was Southern Baptist before I was Christian because my parents were members and active members of the Southern Baptist Church. And way back then, you know, when the dinosaurs were roaming the earth, all of that mattered a whole lot. Like your denomination was like so many things that were large and institutional and coming out of the builder years after World War II. Um, and they were well respected. You know, I remember right. my parents um, respecting their pastor and respecting their church and then just loving their denomination. I remember that when people went to the Southern Baptist Convention, which um you know, we know, and some people may not understand, but the Southern Baptist Convention only exists for two days in the month of June. Exactly. The rest of the year, the conven- the executive committee conducts the work that the convention has given them to do. And that's why this report came out was because last year in Nashville, the Southern Baptist Convention met and uh, voted to have an outside entity come in and do a report like this. And so the executive committee then 
executed that um, at the at the request of the convention. And I think that's just a, a piece to understand. I think that some of the one good thing is, and I've read even from CNN when the report first came out, they actually reported that um, this truth that I'm about to say, and that is that the report itself did not, it came from an outside group, but right. at the behest of and at the invitation of the the Southern Baptist Convention itself. So we, the Southern Baptist Convention, requested this report to be done. And all along the way, we have requested that um, when the report was uh, completed and it goes public, that it would be transparent. And so this is not... It is a sad day for the Southern Baptist Convention as the report has gone public, but it's not a, a surprise that the report has gone public. I just want to lay that groundwork. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really that's good point. And I think it's also a great point to make that you said that we exist as a convention really two days out of the year. Because every one of our 48,000 plus churches are autonomous and we are not uh, acting as a typical convention or denomination, because usually a denomination uh, denotes that we have a head and the executive committee uh, uh, creates uh, policy and sends down the policy down the down the uh, organizational chain and that's the reason mm -hmm. at the convention we actually set policy for those right. two days and so we're a bottom up type of, of right. organization where we are all autonomous and so that's the reason you'll find every single type of flavor of southern baptists out there from yes. the most almost liturgical to the extreme almost it looks like non-denom in church right. and how they worship and and their polite mm -hmm. their practice and how they do life and work in the church and so the members of those congregations who are voted on by their church came together last summer and voted from on the floor and there's been argument i've even said this that i don't know that every bit of the language was understood by the messengers but it's mm -hmm. still yet it was voted on by the not a small group of people there were already there were like sixteen thousand messengers that came mm -hmm. to nashville that voted for this and many mm -hmm. people who were just uh, salt of the earth folks that said we want to know this has got mm -hmm. to stop and mm -hmm. it's been a huge conversation throughout uh, this past year about what's going to be happening, what kind of report this outside group will bring to us. So it should not, as you've you've inferred, that it should not be a surprise to right. us. Um, right. But it's grievous. What yes, we've read yes. is grievous. And mm -hmm. I was with a group of women for some training last week, and one of them is uh, a is just a, a sweet, sweet woman of God, but she's a very strong leader and she's an attorney in her own right. But every single time uh, she gave a small report on just our organizational uh, structure as Southern Baptist and sh many times and multiple times then through text messages, I've, I've watched as she is like, she is moved. She is grieved out of what mm -hmm. we've read and the impact on the women and the other victims that we see in our congregations and that those that are abused, those 
that were abused and were not given a voice. That's been the grievous thing. That's been one of the major grievous things that they were told, even some of them told that for the sake of the convention and the unity of the convention, we don't talk about something. And so, I, you know, I, I know there's always two sides to the story. And I think that the other side is getting heard. And I'm not on the inside circle, so I don't know everything that's going on, but you and I can definitely speak to the fact that what we know personally is that biblically that we, whatever, whatever the other, both sides are and wherever all truth lands, there is got to be a reckon, a reckoning. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> There's got and to I think be. that is what's yeah. happening. And I hope that every victim that, that, um, and even those that we don't know about yet, I hope that every victim of sexual abuse at the hands of clergy or at um, church leaders that went to their church, um, fully expecting this place that represents um, Jesus's love and supposed to be the body of Christ. I hope that every one of them have some sense of, as these days go forward, that they are being heard and that, um, that restitution if it can be um it is being made you know i think there needs to be and and i think also um yeah i mean i know i know you and i were talking prior to going on live here but you and i both know people who have uh suffered abuse and whose names could be in this report or their perpetrators names could be in this report and and we know stories ourselves of how situations were, were um, handled. And, and it's a hate that we live in a world that is like this. It's like just wicked horribleness when people that are supposed to be representing Christ are, are participating in something so contrary to the heart of God. But I love that the Lord is true to his word when he says that um, nothing is hidden and that which is hidden will be brought to the light. And I feel like that's some of what has happened here. I, I do want to just for the sake also of understanding and um, it is to explain to people how the convention works, you know, with us being low autonomous churches, really the thing that um, creates a community within the convention is, is how we financially um, carry on work beyond what the local church is doing. And that's in our mission, mainly our missionary enterprise, but also in various, our seminaries and, mm -hmm. and um, some other ministries. And so that's all given through an offering that several years back was uh, named the cooperative program because we all cooperate together to give the money to this and then the decisions on how to uh, disperse this money are made um, in the conventions both the state conventions and then the national conventions and that's how that money is is done and so when when people and it and it says this in the is talking this is what the report is talking about when people who had the responsibility for managing that money um, saw the magnitude or even maybe even not the magnitude by numbers but magnitude by even the the uh, the the situations that were coming to them there they unfortunately felt like they were the protectors of God's kingdom work 
and that they had to put, they weighed in the balance. Um, do we do we expose this and really take care of this person? Are these three people, are these 300 people, or do we look out for the millions of dollars that are being spent and, and, and continue to keep this, this unity and, and give our money to, to missions. And I feel like what subtly happens is people that get in places of, of uh, power, for lack of a better word, can sometimes forget that the the weightiness of that is not theirs to bear. It's the, the Lord is going to get his work done. And Diane, that's one thing, as much as I love Southern Baptist, I, the kingdom of God is not going to uh, slow down because of this, you know, apocalyptic moment I saw in writing. It said that of the Southern Baptist convention, like uh, God's kingdom works going to carry on. And, and our healthy churches, I, and I pray, Pray that our churches are growing healthier and healthier and those that are praying and those that are seeking hard after the Lord and and those who have in place um, accountability and all the things that are needed to stay healthy um, are going to get to continue to be a part of this uh, the kingdom of God work now will cooperative programs survive I don't know you know will the Southern Baptist Convention survive I don't know but all of that is just it's I guess I'm just saying all that's lesser than than what God who God is and what God has called us to so anyway I'm just explaining yeah. kind of what the thoughts were and they were wrong thoughts but that's what they were and we're going to watch that I'm, I'm curious like what happens now I, I've seen on Twitter that um, there's actually a place where if you're a victim of abuse you can contact and these attorneys are there to help you and as well it should be I don't yeah. know what, what is the end result of that, Diane? Are people wanting, I mean, do you get money for this? And if you get money, where does that come from? Does that come yeah, from right. this cooperative program? You know, and and will the cooperative program even be there? Because maybe churches will just see that happening and then they'll go out mm -hmm. and continue to do missions. And so I don't know if money is what victims are looking for, for restitution. I don't, I don't even know how that's going to I don't know how well, I think happen. that it depends on the victim and it, yeah. it depends on uh, on the person that has been uh, trying to have their voice heard. And yeah. I, I want to say that I believe that most victims just want to be heard and they want yeah. the per their abuser not to be abusing anymore anyone and, else. And that is the big thing. Boy, I, th I, I really yes. believe that most yeah. abused women who a lot of them uh maybe were younger uh when all the abuse happened i, I mean i don't know the story mm -hmm. of that so i can't really speak mm -hmm. to that but i'm just saying some that i know really and truly they just want they don't even want the publicity they just right. wish that someone would have validated them by saying we hear you and that person is not going to serve anymore in a position of leadership where they could do it to somebody else Right. And, and I, that is what needs to happen. That, for sure. right. Absolutely. Yes. Or in that, and, and even when maybe if they're, if they're at a place and they're healing there, that they have forgiven their abuser, that then they say that abuser needs help. What, what would cause them to do that? What is the reason they would do that now? And now mm -hmm. that takes a long time for that to come. I understand that, mm -hmm. but for some of the abused, um, 
but um, at other times they just, they, I, I think the issue here is that they were never listened to and, yeah. um, and there's a forfeiting of the grace of God for us. And oh, absolutely. Um, I said to my husband earlier today, this is akin to sin in the camp. Mm-hmm. And, um, and judgment begins with the house of the Lord. And we can say all of those religious platitudes, but there's truth mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that. And so mm-hmm. what we and how we handle this from this moment on is so critical. And I am not sitting in this chair looking at you on a screen saying I have all those answers because I don't. Mm-hmm. But I do think that we have some things to say to it from our, our from our experience and our um and from our longevity of ministry. We are definitely not perfect sitting here and no. so I don't want to judge anyone that is in this act being accused. I don't want to judge anyone that is an abuser or been abused. I just want us to say that we need to repent Yes, (laughs) as a denomination. We need to repent. Right. And Diane, that is so key. And that's um, circling back around to me talking about the culture in the sixties and the seventies when I was growing up. There was a sense among people, even though the churches were still autonomous, all of this polity, the way Southern Baptist work was there, but um, there was a culture that if it was hurting you, then it was hurting me, and we would together, we're in this together, but over the last 40 years, that culture has been attacked, and now we're we're like, I'm in this for me and you're in this for you and you're in over here and we're going to herald our independence and we're going to do it our way. And, and we've lost some of that. So what's happened in the church is um, when repentance needs to be had, well, one, how often do we even do that? Like who, mm-hmm. who really is a part of a church where there are um, opportunities to gather the people together and just lament and repent? Has anyone ever even been a part of something like that? And so that's one thing, but we even like, we can sit here. I'm sitting here in middle Tennessee. Well, I am right here in the belt buckle of where all this takes place, but just because I'm geographically close to it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily involved in it. And I could say, oh, well, that's just the problem of the convention. Well, you know, if all 40,000 churches that have, you know, a hundred members, even, I know there's even more millions of us than that. If we're all going to say that, then who is it that did you wrong? You know what I mean? And so if this was done under the leadership of the Southern Baptist Convention and you are a part of it, I'm a part of it, then I have to own the, I have to own that, that report was, is about the convention that I'm a part of. So I have to grieve that. And I think that's where it comes back to a a personal, you know, Israel did this all the time. They would, when they were um, convicted by the spirit of God, they would get together as a community and just lament and repent and, and, you know, pour the ashes of their head and tear their clothes. And, and they had a, a public come together, an expression of how, how, grievous it was and not only was that healthy for every individual person that was healthy for the community you know I think it's what the churches have been trying to help make happen for our nation we could cross this over into what also happened this week was this horrific shooting in Texas and and my heart is so heavy because I feel um I feel like as a as a citizen of the United States who is a a Christ follower 
I just want to rally all the Christ followers together with me and let's lament what has gone wrong with our culture. And then I feel the same way as a member of the Southern Baptist Convention. Like we need to cry out, like we need to own it enough, like own it individually, but then have that experience of owning this grief together corporately. And, and I think that we don't practice this anymore. So we're not even sure what that looks like. Well, here's, here's the thing about forfeiting God's grace here. Here's what brings us to a place of forfeiting the grace of God. Now, before anyone hears me say that we have got, God is not continually grace gracious to us. He is always gracious to us, but all through scripture, we can see that God waits and is patient toward us, desiring for us to repent and come back to him. And we do it. We get grace every day when we just breathe seriously and we don't deserve forgiveness, but he continually gives it to us and we don't deserve what he gives us, but in our material possessions, but we receive much, we get talents and gifts. But when we begin to believe our own press, we can forget who has brought us here, who's brought us to the place who has blessed us and he never forfeits his grace. We forfeit his grace. We do things, we shove it back in his face. Sometimes we either don't acknowledge it or we abuse it by not keeping our pride in check about who we are and who we think we are. And you mentioned that and alluded to that by, by even saying uh, just a few moments ago about uh, how God is still at work. And yet we need to own what we need to own. And so when Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, that we need to be imitators, not celebrities and not, um, not expecting God to take care of us because we are the Southern Baptist convention, Mm -hmm. uh, but that we need to be lamenting this truth that's been brought out these, this report that has, uh, obviously brought us to a place of alarm and surprise and grief, deep grief for many of us. I mean, several times today, I've just wanted to cry. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saddened by the fact that we're having to deal with this and what it's doing to everyone, but what it has done to those people that are, have been treated uh, in such a way. And you and I get unmerited favor every day from God. We have had unmerited favor with our denomination, but I think now is a time where we need to seek mercy and we need to take not only steps of making certain that we, we, we address these issues. And like what you said, uh, what was the website? Did you say the website? Can you get that? So we can give, uh, get get that out and we can make sure that women know, or our persons will know if they need to, uh, make a report they can, but Here's the thing. We need to make those kind of steps. We need to also take uh, action on those two days that we're there at the convention that we make steps. But in the initial step, if we do, if we take those steps without confessing and lamenting and repenting, then the steps that we take will just be religious steps or they'll just be we've got to, we've got to seek his face, which is exactly what you're saying about the Israelites when they figured out that, Hey, listen, we have been acting not in accordance with God, what God wants us to do. We need to repent. We need to repent today. 
and we need to be um, so that we can receive mercy from the throne. But then we need to be active um, of our those that have been abused to say, we're sorry, please. Yeah, you know, sure. I, I just taught this this weekend at a ministry wives retreat um, that in my family growing up, see, you grew up, you know, Southern Baptist before you were a Christian. Yeah. I didn't grow up with a spiritual legacy mm-hmm. and this kind of stuff would make me want to run. Like if yeah. I hadn't been in the trenches for 38 years, I'd be going, uh, 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 yeah. see you later. We're out of here. Right. I'm not dealing right. with this, but I've now lived long enough to know that the truth is nobody, nobody on this planet and no denomination is without fault and sin because we're a group of collective, a collective group of people and a denomination. And so people are, I mean, we're sinners. The problem is when we don't address it as we should. The problem is when we don't look at it through the lens of scripture on a regular basis and, and we don't surrender uh, our own agendas to God mm-hmm. and say, God, we want, we just want your God, your agenda. And so we have to be imitators to mimic what God would do in the situation. And there's going to be some judgment. There's going to be actions taken. Some of those are already starting and some of those have already happened. We need to take steps, but we in prayer need to take action and on our bended knee say, we please forgive us. Not just we're sorry, because when I was growing up, this is what I taught this weekend. When you're confessing sin, and you're repentant, repenting, you don't go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, you say, please forgive me. I agree with you that we are wrong. We were wrong. And we do it as a body because it brings about the presence of God. And it is a deep, deep personal and corporate admission of sin and repentance is always foundational for spiritual warfare Mm -hmm. because the enemy loves this Mm -hmm. our greatest foe loves this kind of junk Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he wants to keep us um, from dealing with our sin and our iniquities and our rebellion and all the stuff that we do um, that do not do not align with god in my family, we said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. When it was horrible the night before and all kinds of chaos had ensued and there was fighting and yelling and violence and drunkenness and cussing and all of that. But the next morning we were supposed to get up and we were supposed to act like nothing happened and we're not supposed to discuss it because it would be too painful. So I think we need to understand that when we come to this initial convention it's going to be painful mm-hmm. but lamenting is painful and it's it's going to be painful to us to go man this has been happening and it's painful for us who might know somebody that's been abused and nobody did anything about it or we have someone in leadership that we really have respected and honored and maybe it's it's not exactly what we thought it was or they weren't exactly who we thought they were uh, or even just a way, whether the balance of what is truth and what is not truth. I, I'm not saying either way. What I'm saying is 
we've got to say, please forgive us. Yes. Because we know there are abuse, there are, are those that have abused or victims of abuse is what a be better way to say that for me, because I get my my uh, words mixed up. But the victims, we need to say, please forgive us. But we also need to say, God, please forgive us. Forgive us mm -hmm. as a convention and help us set the right things in place so that we can protect those that we say they can be safe in our midst and help mm -hmm. us hold our leaders to accountability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. That phone number, there's a phone number and a website and we can, I'll put them in my show notes. I know okay. on my uh, podcast is uh, the phone number is 202-864-5578. And the uh, website is SBC hotline at guidepostsolutions.com. And this uh, was posted by the SBC executive committee out on Twitter and is um, a place to be able to say, yes, I, it's kind of like me too. Yes, I was abused and they're going to be able to guide and direct you there while we're in the process of putting more permanent um, uh, uh, systems in place to be able to report abuse. So um, that's what that is, 202-864-5578 and SBC hotline at guidepostsolutions.com. I would like to shift gears um, for a minute, Diane, and talk about um, uh, how the enemy uses this. You and I both teach on spiritual warfare a lot. I've written several books on it. And, and the enemy, like you said just now, loves an opportunity like this because what the enemy is able to do is he can take what is um, true and what is happening, and then he can give it a spin and um, always with a lot of emotional attachment to it and, um, and, and communicate it to a secular mind and heart. And then the secular mind and heart, the secular meaning the person separated from the spirit of God, one who doesn't um, have that personal connection with God yet, then they look at it and think, oh my goodness, I'm not going to touch a church with a 10, I'm not going to come within, you know, a hundred feet of a church because of the craziness going on. And here it goes again, because I, right. I know I, I'm not, I'm not secular minded. And I remember thinking that when all these um, stories came out about the Catholic church through the years, I was like, oh my goodness. And and so that's what is happening, but it's also happening at the same time that there's a very much of a, of a cultural uh, current that um, is very, uh, I don't even know to say trendy, but it's just powerful right now. And that's young people who are deconstructing their faith. Mm -hmm. And um, I speak on deconstruction uh, often on my podcast because it's the, the battlefield that I'm fighting on right now um, in my own life with a couple of my children that have um, gone through this process. And so I've learned a lot about deconstruction and, and um, been a part of a lot of conversations with my own young, uh, young adult kids. And um, so let's talk about like how, like, what happens to, you know, the 20 something, 30 something year old uh, sons and daughters of pastors and their wives um, at a time like this? Well, I just had a, a 30 year old pastor's wife who looked at me and said, so Diane, 
And she had stayed up really late and she read every word of the report, 258 wow. pages. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she was there at the refresh retreat that I was doing to refresh her spirit and yet was distracted by this report. And mm-hmm. um, her question to me was, so Diane, is this what, is this what it looks like to be successful in ministry that you're going to be tempted mm-hmm if you have great success to, to become an abuser, is this, is this, I mean, I I mean that, I mean, first of all, we were walking on the beach, having another conversation. And then that bombshell, that bombshell question was dropped on me. And Mm -hmm. I love what another ministry wife said to me this morning, where she said, she just said, we, we need to remember that all through scripture that we have, we can see men of God that really made messed up. And yet when they yeah. repented, God used them. And yeah. I do not want what I want to, what I want to hesitate on is I want us to hesitate on just saying all these men need to do is repent and then everything's going to be okay. No, mm. the abuser, we can't do that not at all, Uh, because we're communicating wrongly to this younger generation who says, wow, this is church hurt. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And they just want to go, if this is what it's about, I don't need to be a part of it. So we've got to be incredibly humble and swallow our pride and very willful and have some, uh, and and be careful with our willfulness, willfulness that, that we know how things need to be worked out and make certain that when we're giving an answer for this, we need to say humbly, no, that's not true, but it does happen. And we are sorry that it does. And then, as I said before, put some things in place uh, that in accountability. And we also need to, this should wake us up in all leadership roles to be on guard for what could be happening in these situations. Um, what do you have anything to add to that? I mean, am I, am I well, thinking what, on the right track? Yeah. What goes on in my mind and um, bless that pastor's wife's heart at being young and at that place in ministry, your whole ministry is ahead of you and um, your years in ministry. And to her, I would say that what I say to my husband, sometimes we look at each other and we say, you know, success is much harder to navigate than failure is because there's so many subtle temptations that come along with success. So that would be my warning to all of us as we start succeeding to just guard our hearts and, and, you know, humility, boy, that's the, that's the secret sauce to avoiding so much. Um, well, yeah. Um, and I would just interject that humility really attracts the heart of God that mm-hmm. when we, and I know I've already said this before, but when we start believing our own press, like when we get into a place of navigating success and that could be on a convention level, to a church level, to an individual level. And mm-hmm. we're na- navigating all the successes and the accolades and the things that we, we, are, we are seeing God do through us. We can forget who has brought us to this place, who has right. gifted us to this right. place. And we can, we can get 
a little prideful in our ability when we need to remember, and that's really what I said to her, we need to remember through everything that we're walking through that God is the, the reason we're at the table. God is the oh. reason that he, God's gifted us. God's opened the door. God's given us the ability. He is the only reason that we're standing where we are <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and success. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry I interrupted you, but would you agree with no, that? That's statement? great. Yeah, that's great. I, I totally agree with that. And I think the other thing that um, I think about in, in regard to this is, that how we do church is um, really needs to be um, solemnly uh, reevaluated, and by that I mean that we have grown when we get large. And I've been a part of a church, Diane, that was um, had eight people in it, and then it grew large to well over a thousand, and um, even over two thousand at times. And so I've been a part of it when it was small. And what happens in a church of eight people is you don't you don't um hide from relationships mm-hmm. in programs mm-hmm. and in schedules mm-hmm. but when a church gets large it's easy to not have real relationships with each other yeah. and it's easy to even not have a growing spiritual life and mm-hmm. still be able to advance in the um, eyes of the church because it's not as relational it's all you know um able to just get on the track and ride with it and and it gets big and so I think that uh, when I think about the deconstruction conversations that I've had with my children one of the things that they um, have come back with and they have a point is church hurt versus what the way that the people that they have become friends with that have no they're not doing it in the christian context the way that they love each other um affirm each other mm-hmm. um support one another in the trenches of life uh come right. alongside each other in a pinch and all those things is what we we follow the one who gave us that lifestyle to be about and he said just come and follow me just come and do what I do but that's not what we do now in church what we do is show up at the office and we make sure that the calendar's just right and we're making the videos for the promotion and we're you know and we're buying the equipment for the next cool thing we're going to do in worship and we're and so it's I'm just saying and I don't know what that looks like but that's also I would just say we got to have real authentic relationships with each other and we've got to get outside of the building Mm -hmm. and alongside each other in our lives and because as it should be okay this this is going into another thing but it has to do with women I just recently a couple of weeks ago watched the movie Unplanned have you seen that movie I have seen excerpts of that movie multiple excerpts but not the whole movie as a a whole powerful really well I've yeah I got on YouTube and started watching it late at night and I stayed up until the wee hours of the morning and finished watching it's like a two-hour movie but it's about a woman who's still in the right to life um uh world you know of promoting um and being anti-abortion but she was a director of a um planned parenthood abortion clinic and through this process came over to the other side right well what i um 
I, I walked away from that movie. It was so good. I highly, highly recommended it. Y'all look it up and, and watch it because, and it'll, it'll leave you disturbed. Like you will just same as I'm saying, I am to blame because I am Southern Baptist. I am to blame in the abortion situation in America if I don't speak up. And many times I've chosen not to because I don't want to be controversial or I don't want to get off track. I have all my reasons, you know, but anyway, that has changed since I watched this movie. And, um, what I really came back with, though, was thinking if a girl in that in a crisis pregnancy and I have a daughter who got she never even entertained the idea of abortion, but she got pregnant at 18 years old and had to walk through that with 2000 people watching her. So I am a mother of a girl who's been in a situation where that was hard. And, um, but if every girl who was in that situation, if we were so like Jesus in our churches, like we ought to be, that she knew just because of how we do church, that she could walk into any church on any street in any community and her needs would be met. She would be, she would be received with grace. She would be loved. She would be valued. She would be acknowledged. Everything she needs would be taken care of out of the generosity of the people in that church community. Then I believe the church itself could solve the issue of abortion. We're looking to the Supreme Court and the government to do what I think God's like, this is what I gave y'all to do. Like, and, and he's told us how, if my people will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face and pray, then I will heal your land. And, and I think the healing comes in healing us and making us more like Jesus so that we are bringing these, bringing people who are just in a desperate place and, right. and they need help. And that's right. what I'd love to see happen in our churches as a response to this and to the um, to this uh, report that's come out, this God uh, post God's God post solutions report as a as a response to the Texas sh uh, shooting, as a response to um, the Roe versus Wade that's going on. I mean, really, we. But it's not. We can't just spell, uh, beat people with a Bible. You know, the Southern Baptists are the Bible people. We don't want to just get in mm -hmm. the Bible. We want to say. We are the Jesus people. You come here, we're going to give you what Jesus would be, but we're not doing that. That's what we, I feel like that's what we need to change. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I'm sitting here thinking about what we're sharing and talking about and know so many people that are hurting right now and people that are not wanting to say the wrong thing. We don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't no, want to either. I probably have said the wrong thing. Well, already. I probably <laughs> have too, but I, I, my desire is that we don't come yeah. across as we're judging anyone. No, but right. I also know that it's not judgment to cry out for the victims. And right. it's also not, uh, I was sitting in the same meeting, uh, at, that I've mentioned before and listening to some young women who are getting their education. And uh, one of them said in re re uh, relationship to what uh, your, our kids are listening to and de deconstructing their faith and walking through that place. And not every child is de deconstructing their faith, but a lot of them are. A lot of our young adults are deconstructing their faith and they're crying church hurt. I mean, they're gonna cry yeah. church hurt and when they were asked, these, these young people who were students were asked, define what church hurt looks like. And what I heard, um, and I hope I'm not 
quoting this wrongly, but the one of the answers given was that sometimes it's not that uh, young people that are deconstructing faith are non-believers and don't want to have anything to do with the church. It's not that they personally have experienced church hurt, but they see what's on Twitter and they're watching us and they're watching like this report come out Mm -hmm. and they experience church hurt and they say, Mm -hmm. I want nothing to do with this. That's right. I I want nothing to do with this. And you know what? The only way that we're going to overcome that is by repentance and, and, Mm -hmm. and acknowledgement of any wrongdoing, no, no matter how minuscule or how great God forgive us, have mercy upon us. And really what I'm seeing posted is all about lamenting and lamenting Mm -hmm. really the definition from what I, I I looked it up because I wanted to know, and it, Mm -hmm. I wanted to know a, a true, what does, what everybody's talking about. We need to lament. I even use the word we need to lament. Well, do I really know what that looks like and lament as a noun is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Hmm. We need to be sorrowful over this report. Hmm. We Hmm. need to express grief and we need to mourn. Hmm. We need Hmm. to mourn that this is where we are. This is where Hmm. it's come to. And this is what we've done. And, uh, and we use it collectively as we, because we're a part of this denomination, whether or not we really did it or not, we have to ask for that so that we might experience uh, the forgiveness and mercy of God upon our denomination. I mean, I I just, what's so beautiful about it. Um, Yeah. I just think that um, uh, lamenting is biblical. You know, we got a whole book in the Bible called lamentations. Absolutely. all about it and and when jesus remember went and and um, healed jairus's daughter in that culture they would pay people who were professional mourners to come in and just um grieve loudly at their homes Mm -hmm. to help Mm -hmm. magnify their pain and at first i was like paid mourners i don't get that but then when i've been in some pain i was like well i sure like to give a couple of mourners some money and get them just come camp out and just let it give greater expression to what i'm what i'm feeling on the inside of me and i think that anytime we open ourselves up to allow our the emotions that god gave us to be um, avenues to express the the spiritual condition we're in or the the sin that's been exposed then that is such a healthy thing to do because think about it uh, you were talking diane in context of relationship in your family and how you said i'm sorry but nobody ever said i forgive you and i was thinking about that too and how in a situation like this it's the same as um individually and how families do we're just trying to do it in a greater family you know the family is larger you're doing it as a collective culture and the um I know that I live with my grandchildren or my grandchildren live with me and they when they get <laughs> it's probably trouble, debatable <laughs> yeah right most time they're in charge but I have one that anytime she gets in trouble and even if she's sorry for what she's done her crying is really more for her 
Mm. And for the fact that she's getting in trouble, she even turns Mm. the crying around to her. And Mm. I think that could very much happen in this situation Mm. with the Southern Mm. Baptist Convention. If we're not careful, we're so used to being in the spotlight. We're probably right now, right now, people are probably sitting around talking about now how we going to host that lamenting service because everybody's going to be watching us and they need to see us lament and so i my prayer is that we don't do it like sweet little river does to where we escalate it to the point that it's really not about the crime i committed it's more about me having my feelings hurt that i got in trouble for doing the wrong thing i did you know we don't want it to be like that and so um there is a there there and i don't know i don't know if that kind of raw real um anguish can be expressed in a large group context of something like this because like I was saying before just like church the denomination it's it's so program centric everything is programmed now you know you yeah it's just different and and when Jesus came the culture of the church was incredibly relational it wasn't programmed it wasn't a program thing it was a relational thing right but I think what our Oh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I was ahead. just going to say what our deconstructing kids are fine. Or I have one deconstructing child who has found um, or is seeking out real community because she loves community and she wants real community. And so she right. is, um, you know, and I think from my observation point, sometimes that can be found. Uh, it, it should be found. Uh, from my point, what I long for in my heart is that real community um, is happening in our churches. And I, even as I say that, I think about real community that is happening in my church. Uh, and I know people listening to us, they're like, yes, we have real community and that is good. And what we want to do is just continue to have real community with each other. And, and then to be able to, for those that are going to Anaheim and Diane and I both are going, um, let's just pray that God would give us real transparency and community and that the spirit would um, dwell with us so richly that he would be orchestrating what's going on in the services, regardless of what those people who have the responsibility of that have planned, you know, Um, and that the Holy Spirit would really do that. I would love to be a part of something that Well, here's the thing. I don't know if it can be orchestrated in our meeting, but there are several pre-meetings like uh, Monday morning and Tuesday and Tuesday's breakfast for ministry uh, or for women that is hosted by one of our seminaries and our Monday morning session and our lunch. And we cannot ignore, I hope that we don't ignore um, all that's happened. And I... Mm -hmm. You know, this, the last two and a half, three years has been filled with crisis upon crisis. We've had the pandemic and it, mm. it, it's ravaged us. Uh, I, I thought about Anaheim, California, when the Southern Baptist Convention has not been there in like 40 something years, maybe 40. I know cert, for certain it's 40 years that it's not been there for the, in California for that many years. And that of all years that this would be the years that, that they're hosting this. Mm-hmm. and how they must be on their knees praying for God to do such a mighty work here. And then this report is out and we've had the devastation of a Ukraine crisis. We've had yes. the pandemic. We've had the Roe versus Wade thing. We are going to have, uh, we'll probably have all kinds of 
we might have some pro protests to that, but the world will be watching is what mm -hmm. I'm saying. We've had this shooting, this tragic, tragic that is now polarizing even those of us in the Christian world about gun control. And yet mm -hmm. at, this, at the very moment that all of that's going on, I'm just reminded that uh, the best picture we can be to the world watching is people with clean hands and a pure heart mm, that's good who have not that's lifted right. up their, their soul to deceit mm -hmm. we're not hiding anymore we're saying we're sorry who can ascend mm -hmm. the hill of the lord mm -hmm. and who may stand in his holy place but one who has clean hands and a pure heart and mm -hmm. that is that is this time so whatever mm -hmm. we need to do it could, wouldn't it be incredible if we walk in and people are praying that there yeah. are places and just pockets of people and women mm -hmm. who are praying. Yes. They're yes. praying. Yeah. Please forgive us, God. Yeah. Please use yeah. us, God. We are repenting of all yeah. our wrong. We're repenting for those who have been abused by leaders. We're repenting father of, uh, of, any form of deception that there has been, we repent. We say what you say about all the wrong. And we ask father that you clean us. Now I am reminded that, that one of the best things, and one of the things that I even said, I ask a question, what do you need from us? I ask a question in a situation from young leaders. What do you need from us? And their words were spend community with us and be authentic with us, which is what you're saying for those deconstructing kids and those kiddos that grew up in church. They're looking for authenticity and transparency in what we do with our lives as, as Christian believers. So what I would say to that woman out there, that, that 30 year old woman, that young leader, be authentic with God and transparent with him about where you are, get into an accountability situation with a group of accountability partners and make certain that you give them permission to ask you the hard questions. Are you living morally pure? Are you being tempted in a situation? You know, the enemy doesn't come up to us and say, hey, I'm the big bad devil. I'm going to come and I'm going to ruin your ministry. I'm going to put his temptation before you where you cannot uh, you can overcome it. I'm going to separate you from any kind of accountability. We're going to keep you so programmed that it's all about function and success. We're going to measure our success in our churches by how many numbers we have, how many uh, successful conversations we have, how many campuses we have, how many, all of those things, instead of doing what you said, which is let's measure our success according to how we've created community where it's safe for sinners and then not mm. having protection in those places we do need to program some to make sure certain in the culture that we're living in that we're screening people we're mm. making certain that they're that mm. they're that there's not evil coming in i mean part of being a pastor and wife one of the biggest things that we do is not keep people uh well, one time Preston said one of the biggest jobs that a pastor does is, is keep people from coming in that will destroy us. Mm, that's good. That will cause separation, cause harm mm. to the body. He's being a good shepherd if he's protecting the sheep. And then also for himself, making certain that he has good accountability. Yeah. That he's open. Good. 
to that leader being accountable for any of us, right? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that speak volumes to our our young people if they knew that they could really have community and that there was acceptance Mm -hmm. even when they messed up? Yes, absolutely. But there's accountability in that. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that the separation of the church and the world, now we are supposed to be a peculiar people. And in our world today, we need to be looking way more peculiar than we do because we need our standards and our rules are very different than the standards and the rules in the world. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, we must go the extra mile to climb over the walls that separate us between those who are lost. And Mm -hmm. we need to be among those that are lost and hurting so that we can and express the love of Jesus in the in the the highways and the byways you know along the way in life and Mm -hmm. and so um I think that's all a thing so as we uh, we might need to land this plane Diane I was thinking I'm saying that word those words because I got to go pick my husband up from the airport yeah I know I know a few minutes but I've made something and I was just thinking while we're doing it in this cute it's a Mm. SBC prayer board and Mm. um it's your guide to pray for the SBC. I'm bringing these to the Women's Expo that you're leading us in at the Southern Baptist Convention, but I'll give these away. So you guys who are listening, if y'all want to come to prayerclinic.com backslash SBC, we'll um, create a link so that you can download this prayer guide. And what it is, is just a daily Sunday through Saturday prayer prompt for you to pray for the Southern Baptist Convention. And it's just real simple. We're praying for preachers. We're praying for our lay leaders. We're praying for our missions organizations. We're praying for our seminaries. We're praying for our state staffs, just all the, all the things on this little um, prayer guide, a way to remind us of just ways that we can keep this in mind because I genuinely believe that uh, we're in way over our head the enemy um, has one up on us in this particular battlefield right now, but he doesn't get to win the game. And God's God's going to take care of this. And God can be glorified in this when we are praying. It's not hard to do. It's very simple to do. We just need to commit to doing it. And so, you know, right. of course, I'm extremely passionate about our churches praying and so anyway, I made this little um, prayer guide. It's specifically for women. It's a pretty little thing. Y'all didn't see it. I was showing it to Diane. But so, um, uh, so as she it. has uh, is created that, I'm, I'm I've got a couple of ideas, uh, mm-hmm. Anne, and you and I can talk about this later. But let's see if we can't make the QR code that they can Go just ahead. scan the QR code and download that. And they can download, they'll download it uh, off your website, but perhaps maybe what we do during the times that we are doing uh, your podcast, we're going to record a podcast uh, with you and I at the convention. Mm -hmm. Perhaps what we do is that we lead women in prayer during that time on that, using that prayer card. Oh, that'd be great. We can just really pray. And I think that we could, both of us. Um, in this um, this time together by praying and mm-hmm. uh, I, I, man I'm telling you I'm getting emotional about this even now that you know what mm-hmm. we've been a part of you and I for all of our lives as ministry wives frontline leaders uh, in mm-hmm. the trenches spiritual warfare for us and you know some people disagree with how we battle with spiritual warfare but that's okay they can disagree with me and they can disagree with you but the truth is Mm -hmm. 
some of all of that will shake out in heaven. And some of us <laughs> need to know that uh, we need to know that the enemy is after us, especially in the world that we're living in today. Yeah. And any way that the cause of the gospel is, uh, is stopped is serious business. Right. Any way that we, as the church, the people of God hurt others is serious to God. And we need yeah. to repent uh, despite who we are, because the reality is God doesn't have to have us as Southern Baptist. Mm -hmm. That might That's shock right. some of those listeners listening to us, <laughs> and went, oh, oh. but the reality is he doesn't have to have us. He can, mm -hmm. he can use anyone that's right. going to be in line with his purposes. And so, but we don't want to not be used, uh, right. And we want him to use us. And so sure. let's, uh, let's you and I end with prayer today and, uh, uh I'll let you start and then I'll okay. end us and mm -hmm. let's just pray and intercede for our friends and our sisters, the wives of those men who might, uh, have been mm -hmm. reported or listed in the, in the names, the families, the mm -hmm. abused, let's just pray for intercede for all involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Father, I just thank you for Diane and for her heart for you and her heart for um, ministry. Lord, I think about as, as she was sharing just now, her husband who serves at one of our seminaries as um, a professor. And God, I just thank you for the opportunities that come our way. I'm a, I'm a seminary trained minister or a pastor and in, in this convention as well and I think about all that was given by the all of our churches for me to have my education and father I, I know that our church itself was uh, created through the cooperative efforts of Southern Baptist when um, my husband's salary came from all of the work of Southern Baptist working together Lord we we thank you for the good that you do. And Lord, I thank you that you always stoop down to make us great because, <laughs> and you work with us as flawed as we are, because you choose to, because you love us. And Lord, right now, I just want to lift up to you. Um, all of the victims that not only are represented in this report, this is just recently all through the years. I, I know there have been victims of abuse and um, at the hands of clergy, the worst kind of abuse, because it's it's not only sexual or physical or emotional, but it's also spiritual abuse. And yes. Lord, I thank you that you came to a place for the Southern Baptist Convention where you said this needs to stop now. And um, God, I, I just pray for all of the uh, wounded that are having to deal with um, what this is doing because it's being talked about um suddenly what was in the dark is in the light and lord i i know that even the the friend i know that went through something at a different church um was reminded me the other night she's far removed from it and very healthy and god you've been so gracious in her life but she i was reminded of what it was like when she was going through that situation and Lord, um, so many, God, I just invite you to bring healing to their hearts, their minds, their spirits. God, I invite you to um, use those of us that are not been abused to deliver that healing through our compassion and through our, um, 
our uh, lamenting and through our confessions, Lord, and just for our, through our come alongside and, and wanting to hear and, and giving it a voice. And Lord, I, I pray against any scheme of the enemy yes. that would take what has already been done and magnify it even more. Lord, I, I just pray that at every turn, this is the extent of it and that what comes is um, you sweeping in and taking what the devil meant for harm and transforming it to good, to health and wholeness for the victims, to um, uh, restitution and, and uh, redemption for the, the perpetrators or, or um, justice for them, Lord, even. And I know that you can get justice where even the courts can't. Yes. And God, um, just this whole situation, Lord, we... Uh, ask that you would um, work in us and through us, especially as those uh, several thousand that will be gathered together in California in just a few weeks. Lord, I pray that even now in our quiet times, in our conversations, in our churches, that you prepare our hearts for the come together of the um, Southern Baptist Convention. I thank you for my friend Leanne, where we can meet together and um, we can have this kind of conversation over podcasts where we are trying to just in, exhort and encourage our um, fellow sisters in ministry and leaders uh, in their own churches as they work beside their husbands and women that will be listening to us that are leading in their own ministries. Father, I just thank you that I have a friend like Leanne who is like-minded and uh, for her heart and friendship that she has extended to me. And Father, um, I know that I'm, I don't have all the answers. I, I'm not smart enough to have all the, uh, the, um, the policies and the practices put in place that we need to put in place to, to have stronger accountability. But I know that you do, and you have people who have that kind of knowledge. And so right now I'm dealing with us spiritually. We just need to grieve and lament passionately and, and mourn over things that have happened. And we do father, we ask you to forgive us. We ask that your mercy and grace be upon us, that we do what we're supposed to do and say to you what we're supposed to say in agreement to you about sin. And then that we will take care of those that have been wounded and hurt and that we would do the right thing, Father, according to what you say is right, not according to what we yeah. think is right, but what you say is right. And what you say we're, we're to do in accordance with repentance and lamenting. And we're asking, Father, that you would not forget us, that you will use us again, and that you would help us in humility, to walk with great humility in the coming days, knowing that if we uh, see a great move of your spirit, it will be because we've understood and remembered that our greatness comes from you, not from our own strength or our own ability, but your hand placed upon us. So we bow our knee and we repent, Father. We cry aloud and we weep and we mourn and we pray that you will not forget us and that we ask that you would use us greatly for great revival and awakening in our land and that you would hear the cry of our heart for our children and our children's children 
and that we might see you move upon them, that they will not look upon our mistakes as a way to escape from you or change the way that they do life or away from you, but they would find real community because they will know us by our love and about our willingness to say that was wrong and hold each other accountable, but also bring them in. Father, we're just asking you to move. So when we get to Anaheim, I'm asking, Father, that when we get to Southern Baptist Convention this year, that we come not, not cantankerous, not quarrelsome, not being a, a, um, a bickering lot, not being spiritually spoiled children, but coming humbly, bowing our knee before you, saying, mercy, please forgive us. Please forgive us for not being who you've called us to be and let us rise up and be a mighty army of God's chosen people to speak the truth about who you are and who your son is. And let us, despite individually, let us, despite what anybody else does, let us do, make a commitment to do and to live as you want us to live loving those you put in our path, loving them, loving them to Jesus. We love you, Father. Have mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us here today, ladies. I, this is a very emotional time for many of us as we think about the friends that we have and the people that we know that have uh, suffered um, that are coming out in this report and for those that we know maybe have never shared their story we are deeply grieved and we mourn for what has happened to you and uh, we are sorry we're so sorry please forgive us mm-hmm. for those that um, are caught in the crosshairs of all of this that are caught in the conflict we're praying for you We're praying for whatever you need to do. We pray you'll do the right thing. Mm -hmm. For those that are leading us, that are much higher than us, who have much more influence than us, we're praying that God gives you his wisdom, that he will show you the next steps to take, Mm -hmm. and that you will be um, very sensitive, not to the program, but to the presence of the Almighty God and to the Spirit of God living within you. For the women who will come and visit us at our Women's Expo, we pray that you will come knowing that you're going to be loved, you're going to be ministered to, and uh, we're going to present you with some goodies, both at yeah. uh, the, the Expo and the Women's Luncheon, and where Ann Orge and uh, the rest of her team, uh, her assistant Denise Matthews and others are working tirelessly to present to mm-hmm. you Uh, a flawless minister's luncheon and where the team uh, of our Monday morning session, those women are desirous of, uh, of meeting you where you live and that we, as women who come to the, sometimes to, to the Southern Baptist convention. And for, I know there are many of you listening that don't come, but what I want you to, you're not a part of the SBC, but what happens to us sometimes with ministers wise, we come to the Southern Baptist convention and we actually come thinking nobody sees us. Mm-hmm. 
And you know what? That's really what Monday morning and um, and Tuesday at lunch is all about, is letting you know that we see you. And we know that you labor on the front lines with your husband day in and day out, and you are not forgotten. God sees. We see. And we're cheering you on. So listen to our sponsors that are sponsoring us because Dayspring is one of my sponsors for Contagious Joy. They're showing up in a big way at the convention this year and there's goodies in the bags that you will see and there'll be gifts there and there'll be gifts from uh, North American Mission Board, Sin Relief. Uh, there'll be gifts from the prayer clinic and one more child who is a sponsor as well, who's showing up really big for you uh, as a ministry wife. And we just Hope and pray that you will take a moment and listen to the rest of this podcast as you listen to some things um, that will tell you more about these ministries who sponsor uh, sponsor us so that we can do what we do for you. Above all things, I want you to remember that when you surrender to the call of ministry, there is a word that we are to remember that whatever we do in word or deed, we are to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless. Until next time, it's Leanne and Diane, <laughs> and we're cheering you on. Yeah, we are. Thank you for listening to this episode and listening to Diane and me. Just um, you can hear the pain in our hearts and um, we are doing what we know to do. And that is to pray, to lift up of everybody involved in the painful realities of life in a broken world and of the um, the cover ups and the um, the really wrong ways of dealing with sexual abuse in the in the church. And I hope that this will be a springboard for you continuing to pray for the Southern Baptist Convention as it moves forward from here. And that you would also, more than that, pray for the church. Let's not forget that the church is the beloved bride of Christ. We are the hands, the feet, the body of Christ in the world today. We have an enemy who is chomping at the bits to destroy the church. And so the battle is relentless. The foe is is savvy. And um, anytime things like this happen, he really can take and use it to destroy the very the very bride that God loves so much, but or to try to destroy, I should say, because we've been told by Jesus himself that the gates of hell itself will not prevail against the church. But while we are here in the world today, on our watch, let's do our best to um, be vigilant, to pray, to turn from our own wicked ways, to seek God's face and um, beseech Him to heal our land, but to start it with healing our churches. So let's just keep on praying, my praying people. Let me also remind you that if your church does not have an organized prayer ministry, I'm here to help you do that. Uh, we, we want our people to be praying. We want our churches to be prayer powered. and. Um, that really in our world today is what we need more than anything. Jesus um, is eager to return. And when he comes, he's looking for a church that is um, pure in its devotion 
to him through prayer and he will heal so much of what's wrong with us when we're on our knees. So anyway, um, be sure to check the show notes today. I've got that free prayer guide for the SBC. It'd be a great prayer guide really for anybody as you're praying for the church. And then um, I also have on there that phone number to uh, uh, if you have been sexually abused or you know someone who has and they just haven't gotten anybody to hear them yet and they are in the Southern Baptist world, you can use that connection that'll be in our show notes. So anyway, let's keep praying, my praying people. I'm looking forward to being with you next week as we kick off our Truth About Women summer series.